Welcome to Paranormies. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I'm joined by Dogbot. What's up? Howdy. Hello. Also joining us, Reinhardt von Krieger. Hello. Good weekend to you all. And down in the dungeon, taking notes, Grognak the intern. Hello, adventurers. <laughs> nice. All right. How's everybody doing this week? It's the weekend. Ah. What's going on, fellas? Um, we have a very exciting second half of our show tonight. Uh, are, are we are we going to let everybody know who we have on for the second half? Yes, 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 we are. Uh, we are going to be having our second interview with an author named Scott Howard from Antelope Hill Publishing. Uh, we'll be talking about his book the Open Society Playbook. But in the meantime, you have to sit through our shitposting. So we're not going to be talking about his success as a high school basketball player who was able to turn no. to a werewolf? No, 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 no. No, not okay. at all. We're, we're probably not going to talk to him about that whatsoever. See, I, pro- I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't mention Teen Wolf, though. But that's just me. What about Styles? Should we bring... I would just say that we just keep the Teen Wolf out of the interview for the evening. Let's just talk how does about one books. how does one get a nickname like Styles? His hair, I believe it was his hair. I don't think we're gonna hair dox Scott Howard. No, oh God, no, no, we never hair dox anybody like that. Real quick, guys, I got in the mail previews of the new shirts. No, and nobody's excited. And. Is it? No, I, I'm excited. I, yeah, we're we're all waiting with bated breath. Oh, yeah, they're I was, awesome. I was seeing, I was, they're like awesome. You've seen the pictures. You saw sentence. the pictures. Yes, you saw the pictures. They look freaking awesome. Yes, they look awesome. I'm like, yeah, you guys can you know pretend not pretend that you didn't pretend to or not have the thing. But no, yes, the Paranormies tinfoil shirts finally are going to be available. And also, Dogbot's awesome. I mean, would you call that a tribal design? Uh, I would call it an insignia. An insignia? All right. Dogbot's insignia. Or, 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 or it's been called the Spoop co- Coat of Arms. The Spoop Waffen Coat of yeah, Arms. Yeah, Spoop Spoop Waffen. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, Weeb Division really kind of queers it up too much, so we'll just stick with Spoop Waffen. Spoop Waffen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. No, they they look sweet. I really can't wait to, to to actually get them in person. Yes, and also they are going to be able to be printed on many different color shirts, not just white or black. Yeah, and probably hoodies as well. And hoodies. Oh boy. Oh yeah, dude. He did. Uh, he did tank tops for guys this summer, and we didn't get in on that because I, I guess we weren't. We were just starting. But we will have tank tops this summer we will have hoodies and as many colors as he will allow so go so check I out i have to cut the sleeves off of my paranormies t-shirt what 
I won't have to cut the sleeves off my Paranormies no, you t-shirt. Won't, no, you won't have to cut the sleeves off your Paranormies t-shirt. You will be able to have a tank top version, not a semi-muscle shirt version. So. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that. What yeah. about What about Enchanted Greaves? <laughs> um, Hi, Grognet. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Enchanted <laughs> Greaves. Yes, sure. I'll ask. I will ask. Um, All right. So do we have an official – I don't think we have an official date yet, do we? For the shirts? I'm assuming yeah. as soon as I tell them that they're great and go ahead and put them up. So I'm doing that right now. What do so, they call Rhodesian Ranger shorts? They're I mean, they're brushstroke short shorts. They're, they're Ranger are they, panties. Are, are we going to be making any of those? <laughs> no, we're not going to be making Paranormies Ranger panties. I mean, there are a number of websites where you can get those yes. for reenactment purposes. Yes. For reenactment purposes. A reenactment, I mean, definitely wear them to the gym. Right. I mean, I know a lot of guys that wear those to the gym. Yeah, honestly. They're comfy. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a little old for them, you know. But, uh, yeah, if you're still in the, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I was in a little bit better shape, but uh, my legs need a little bit more toning. I've skipped leg day Skip. a few times recently. So skipping leg day, brother. Why? Why are you doing that? I've been skipping your- skipping gym day in general. I've been working a lot, and it's hard oh. to get to the gym when you work and drive as much as I do. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Legs are your foundation, brother. Right, I, dude, you're not telling me anything. I, anyway, squatting is a full body exercise. Yes. Thank, thank you both. I'm glad. Thank you for the weightlifting um, pointers. Appreciate that because, you know, <laughs> never done that before. Less, less, um, less pointers, more just motivation, brother. And more, more shaving out of love. What? Oh, well, I, I, I said motivation. He's Did you say shaving? shaving? Remember that. Shaming. Oh, well, whatever. You can't well, if you're wearing me, those shorts, you, yeah, you know, shaving. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, then, then, no, I don't think no, you want to no. shave those. Those kind of chafe a bit if you shave and wear. So anyway, not that I would know. <laughs> Anyhow, wow. Jesus, learning a lot today. Yes. Can we just talk about the shirts for crying out loud? The shirts will be up on Dissident Apparel as soon as I, soon as possible. Hopefully, by the time this is published, who knows? Maybe not. But very, very soon. And again, the tinfoil shirt is finally go. For those listeners who've been with us since, I want to say, season two, we've been talking about the Paranormies tinfoil. Uh, Somebody sent us that artwork in season two, and it, for some reason, has been very hard to put on a shirt. Uh, I've been turned down by several people. For some reason, it doesn't didn't work, and now it does, so... Paranormies tinfoil coming soon. I'm excited. Man, just everything's coming together lately, isn't it? Yes. And don't forget to go onto pill.net and get your uh, what is it your your account set up. It's kind of a social net, kind of MySpace. See, right? Was it MySpace crossed with DLive? Yeah, pretty much, and especially with their April update, uh, which is coming out very soon in the next couple of weeks. It'll it'll become a lot more intuitive as well. So if you're looking at it right now and you're like, wow, this, this kind of looks like Skitcho Patriot uh, user interface, it'll be a lot more streamlined. Um, so, but yeah, if you, if you reserve a username now, nobody can take it. Right. 
So I should probably regret that before the fake Johnny Monoxide shows up on pill.net. <laughs> yeah, we're already in the process of getting a um, basically pilled version of the uh, the verified checkmark uh, to make sure that nobody can, you know, be a fake paranormies. Nice. They have to remain yeah, on I, YouTube. I mean, there may be an account on there right now named Johnny, and he's chugging a twisted tea. No, that's a uh, that's on YouTube, not on pill. Don't 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 curse it like that, Dava. Don't jinx it. There might be a black Johnny on there though. I mean, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there, there might, might be a Jewish Reinhardt on there. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't see that happening. I, I don't. I don't know that that's possible. I don't think Reinhardt is a very Jewish name. Um. Anyhow. Oh, yes. no, it's just Reinberg. Yeah, it'd be Reinberg or Reingold there you go. or Reinstein. Reingold, definitely. I've seen Reingold. Um, yes. So, what'd you say, Grognak? He said Reinstein. Reinstein. Rhinestone. Oh, Rhinestone. It's a Rhinestone cowboy. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pill.net. Go get your username. We will be there. It is a free speech platform. Um, you know, they're libertarian, former libertarians, former Q people. They came out of the QAnon circles. Um, our listeners are probably a little more, I would say, further along in the what we would call the red pilling process. I would think. Um, I mean, if you've stuck with the paranormies this far and this long, then you're. I'd say you're you're heavily red pilled. Have to say, <laughs> yeah. They... Whether whether you agree with everything that we choose to talk about oh, yeah. or not, right. right? I mean, we don't agree with everything we choose to talk about. You know, yeah. Just because we talk about something doesn't mean that we fully believe it. Automatically, Johnny accepts everything that comes across his show. Right? <laughs> He's crazy. He believes everything. No, stop it. Just, um, just stop it. Yeah, but the people, the people on Pill, they have come out of a lot of that, and they are talking about everything from hidden history to transhumanism, the trans agenda. Um, they're talking about all the stuff we talk about, but they don't, they don't have the paranormies yet. So we get to give them a community. That's right. They don't have right. What they have is they have people who talk a little bit about this topic. They talk a little bit about that topic. They don't have anywhere to kind of collate and aggregate it like we do. And also put it from our perspective, which is obviously the um, the pro-white perspective, the racially conscious perspective. Um, I don't think anybody's doing it the way we do. Yeah, I think that's why you know we've remained so popular. Really, I mean, you've been here all seven seasons. Why your baby has remained so popular and grown, only grown over the past several years. Yeah, I know. I know it's amazing. I'm I'm in shock and awe that as many people want to listen to me stutter my way through another season of <laughs> of shit posting and con- and retard schizo conspiracies. Man, <laughs> you know it's it's funny. I've been um, as we've been working on some of the website stuff and getting pilled set up. I've been looking through the archive that somebody very graciously put together on uh, archive.org of all the seasons up to. I think up to season five. Yeah, that was um, uh, helpful Timbo. Oh, thank you. Helpful Timbo. Yeah. Um, but just going back and looking through some of these episodes, like there are so many, Holy crap. I kind of forgot just how many, 
How many different topics you've hit over the years? There's a lot of stuff, dude. And we talked about a lot of we talked about a lot of things. We've had a lot of people on the show. We've brought a lot of perspective to a lot of different topics. And I mean, the ride is what the ride is, and here we are now. You know, uh, we talked we talked to Scott Howard about a year ago, I believe it was, when we uh, talked to him about the transgender industrial complex. And by the way, if you guys hear anything in the background, that is a, uh, a leprechaun that we captured on our way to a St. Patrick's Day uh, thing this weekend. So don't mind don't mind the fae folk in the background. So the Christian thing to do on St. Patrick's Day is to put a leprechaun in a bag, and it's kind of like an Irish pinata, right? Right. Okay, cool. Abuse the fae folk. Yes, that is kind of what we're doing right now. We have we have uh, we're occupying the fae folk right now. So <laughs> the bag idea is not a bad idea, but I don't think um, the person in charge of the fae folk would appreciate putting the fae folk in the bag. So <laughs> yes. Anyway. Wow, that that is that is as cryptic as you could have possibly made it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> nice, think everybody nice knows what skills. I'm talking. About. I think everybody knows what I said, though. Um, or man. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can I can I bring up something that I just found that's somewhat related to current events. Sure. But also spoopy. Sure. So apparently. In the midst of the Russian, quote, invasion of Ukraine, there's an ancient buried space arc that, I guess, took off in the midst of Russians invading a certain city. Russians invading Kiev? No, no, it's the city of Kherson, or Kherson, I don't don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. Um... But yeah, news reports have confirmed that the Russian army has captured the Ukrainian port city of Kherson, where an ancient space arc is claimed to be buried. What? Um, yeah, the space arc is buried under Oleski Sands National Nature Park, uh, which is 15 miles east of the city. The space arc is said to be activating and predicted to eventually begin flying into the air. This is on March 3rd. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean... Another thing that I totally did not have on my 2022 bingo. Man, Jap- Japanese ho demons getting released and Ukrainian space arcs. Right, right. Well, it'd be a Caucasian. Uh, well, the ni- the nine-tailed fox is going to get aboard the space vessel, and then they're going to do Project Blue Beam in midair. They're well, going to do Blue like Beam a they're going to do a, real, uh, a terrestrial space battle with nine-tailed anime demon fox and i i don't know who the challenger is going to be but the challenger is going to be amazing all right can, can we just say screw it and it'll be cthulhu <laughs> say screw no it'd it have what? to be it have to be the the fake good guy so maybe like david blaine the fake good guy is going to be david blaine why david blaine i'm yeah he's like a he's a He's not like a non-player anymore. He, he, like, does anybody even know who that is at this point? It's like that's like David Copperfield. Nobody, nobody remembers. Oh, well, David well, Copperfield may, is probably maybe be, more maybe memorable than, than like David Nick Blaine Cannon. would be because he was, you know, a bigger name. And David Blaine was not all that big. And David Copperfield like married like a supermodel tranny, and but know? didn't he just kind of like drop off the past? I don't know, fifteen years. Well, everybody does that. Event. And like once their their you know time in the spotlight, their fifteen minutes is up. 
they they disappear. That's true. He Unless was they don't like Jewish, Randy right? Quaid. Randy Quaid keeps popping up. <laughs> Good old David Copperfield is is like mega Jewish, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe there's a, a, a single single part of him that's not. I'll bet you him and um, uh, Ben Shapiro's 23andMe looks very similar. Oof. Now I'm thinking of a, a morph between Abby Shapiro and David Copperfield. I mean, it would just be adding boobs to <laughs> David Copperfield. <laughs> that's true. Now that would be a magic trick. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Remember when he made the Statue of Liberty kind of disappear? Wait, what? He made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Do you, does anybody remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors, literally. Man, somebody... Oh, man. Somebody was saying how much they liked Disney because of magic. That just reminded me of magic. And they... You know, because magic. And they put, like... Like shooting star emojis. It was in some, some group chat that I was, that I was looking at and yeah, people were, people like Disney because of the magic. Because like, like, like the fuzzy feeling of seeing all the magic and the wonder and the fantasy or because like, yeah, actual magic. No, no, no. You know, because of the wonder and the fuzzy yeah. feeling of the magic. because Disney has made the, you know, the evil thing cuddly and cute. Yeah. So they could think they can actually practice magic. No, so it's just like it's okay that they're they're you know their kids run around and pretend to be the fairy godmother or whatever you know what I mean. It's okay. Yeah, give your son a magic wand. Right, 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 right. It's just magic. It's good magic though. It's not bad magic. It's good magic. It's not like they're it's not like they're you know signing oaths or anything. No, it's a fairy godmother. It's not a demon. Come on. Right. It says right there, Godmother. The word God is in the name. <laughs> like, it's obviously good. Right? I mean, isn't that how it works? It's in the name. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, man. Before that, we you, oh, we were talking about uh, Scott's first book that we talked about a year ago. The Transgender Industrial Complex. And his latest book is called The Open Society Playbook. And it dovetails into that book like no other two books I've seen, except that now that, you know, I, I like now that I've read them, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. Um, there's so much in this book that is happening in real life or has happened in real life. And. We get to talk to the guy that did all the research on it. And it's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. Um, how? Yeah, Scott was Scott was an awesome guest uh, last time he was on, so I'm really excited to hear what, uh, what he's got to say. Um, I mean, I know Transgender Industrial Complex dealt with a lot of current stuff, as well as, obviously, the uh, more historical players. And Open Society Playbook does as well, but this one uh, delves really far into stuff that's happening right now and what we see down the road in the future. Like literally right now, right now. I think one of the things that surprised me about the transgender industrial complex was how much it actually had to do 
with transhumanism itself. Not that that wasn't something that I inherently already knew, but it wasn't something that I expected to see tied in so um, fluently and succinctly. I mean, it was just, it, it completely dovetailed into all this other stuff that we've been talking about and learning about these past couple of years. Yeah, it's it's almost like somebody collated it and put all the stuff together for us that we've been again like we've been talking about for years and years. Um, the, the yeah trans- between no go ahead. oh sorry go ahead Johnny I was gonna say the the transhumanism aspect it comes it's it, it's involved in both both books because um, again transhumanism is the end game and well posthumanism is the end game but uh, to get there you got to go through transhumanism. And every right. agenda, every road, every agenda leads to transhumanism. Exactly. Yeah, there have been – and it really seems that there's been an uptick the past uh, maybe three, four, five years. Uh, authors like Wayne McCroy, Scott Howard that are really connecting the dots with transhumanism and seeing it for what it is. You know, seeing it as that end game, um, or posthumanism as the end game, transhumanism being the age that we're in right now um, – and putting together some really great works. I mean, these are not just uh, like narratives. They're not just short books or pamphlets, uh, even though they are pretty easy to read. I mean, Scott Howard has done a great job of making his book uh, very accessible or, or books, um, but they are very, very comprehensive where you can keep, kind of keep going back and, and referencing these things, even as you're in uh, two, three other books. Right. They're definitely comprehensive. That's a good word for it. Anyways, looking forward to this interview. But in the meantime, uh, is there any sort of other spoop that we want to get to before we actually get a hold of Scott? I think Reinhardt had something, didn't you? Well, we did We did the thing, the, the flying arc thing. Um, it's not that I have any spoop, per se, but I'm... I'm getting a little bit concerned about some of the people that a lot of people look to for opinions on current events, et cetera, et cetera, uh, going on at length about how, you know, basically there is no worldwide cabal of people in charge. It's just, it's kind of like, no dog, but it's simply Jews. It's all. It's also them. And that's one of the things that I can't wait to uh, to speak to Scott Howard about. Because that, so one of the things about when I started reading the Open Society Playbook, I had every expectation that it was going to be uh, 282 pages about George Soros and what George Soros is doing, right? But it's not. Like the first chapter talks about. Uh, you know, George Soros's method of uh, breaking down countries economically mm-hmm. and then coming in, and then using other 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 means like like disintegrating them from within with with just with unrest and things like that. And then, right. And, and if then that com- doesn't work, just bomb and, the shit out of them. Right. And, and so, like, the first chapter is about that. And then it gets into things like color revolutions and how they work. But you don't really hear much about George Soros for the remainder of the book. You hear about everything else that he's sort of 
participated in setting in motion, which is this giant, basically, system and machine of folding in nation states into basically being this uh, not homogenous in a racial sense, but homogenous in a sort of bland, basic neoliberal sense. You know, like, 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 all, like, uh, everything involved, like all, like all the universities and the radio mm-hmm. shows mm-hmm. and all the media and everything is just constantly promoting this, this anti-family, uh, consumerist, but like degenerate individualist message. Right. And, you know, when you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, look at who's behind all these foundations and media outlets and universities and uh, social clubs and networks and whatever. It's always the same, same group of people. Not always, but a good percentage of them are. Well, and even if they don't appear to be the same group, all it takes is a little bit of searching and I'm not talking about confirmation bias, right? We don't, we don't go into something predisposed typically. Um, but we do have pattern recognition and you know where to look, follow the money, always follow the money, um, and follow the families because these families stick together. And you will typically find that these people are connected, even if they do not profess to be of the same quote tribe, Right. And even the ones that aren't Jewish are very heavily, you know, involved with them. Right. Uh, I mean, you can't have Jews without your Shabos, right? Right. Not at all. Wouldn't work. Um, but again, before we get into Scott Howard, there has to, there was something. There was something that we wanted to bring up earlier. Um, damn it. I don't remember what it is now. There was something spooky. Uh, was it that according to sources inside the Ukrainian embassy, uh, Zelensky has survived over a dozen assassination attempts in the past two weeks? Oh, my God. The assassination One from attempts? from his own soldiers. Right. Right. That's, well, he's not really a Nazi, and I think it's the Nazi soldiers that are trying to kill him, right? Is that what they're saying? I guess I don't know. I mean, certainly ain't as of. And now we got. You mean you mean the you mean the ones that they're putting on CNN, uh, but blurring out the funny little uh, sun thingy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. How many of them have that? Like all of them? I think it's all of them now. I've only seen it on women. (laughs) Right. I was gonna say all the women have black suns, and none of the men. Like I And, and they're they're all slightly blurred. Once they figured out what the f it was. That they they they've been slightly blurring the pictures because they they need the they need the pictures right they the need the pictures because the they need to show like women and the thing you know right like can they not concoct I I, I yes they can they can I, concoct stories they concocted the story of the pregnant woman at the blown up hospital right who happened oh, to be a Ukrainian Instagram hoe the. Kamala Harris clip that I heard the other day oh, of her trying to explain the U.S. position, and she says, "Pregnant women in hospitals who need health care and are getting blown up by missiles or bombs or whatever." 
Dude, it is it is literally the worst I've ever heard anybody speak. Like ever. That was terrible. She spent um she spent that whole I don't know, was it two and a half minutes stumbling over Rambling. words and I have the clip right here if you guys want to hear it. Oh, let's hear the clip. It's so oh, bad. So bad. All right, hold it. I scroll past it. I think I scroll past it. Hang on a second. I, I scroll past it. Slow down, Telegram. I went past it. God damn it. There it is. There it is. All right, we're going to listen to Kamala Harris. The UN has set up a process by which there will be a review and investigations, and we will, of course, participate as appropriate and necessary. But we all watched. The television coverage of just yesterday. What? That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. <laughs> what? But just limited to what we have seen. Pregnant women going for health care. <laughs> Being injured by, I don't know, a missile, a bomb. In an unprovoked, unjustified war, where a powerful country is trying to take over another country, violate its sovereignty, its territorial integrity, for the sake of what? Nothing that is justified or provoked? Absolutely, there should be an investigation. And we should all be watching. And I have no question the eyes of the world are on this war and what Russia has done in terms of this aggression and these atrocities. I have no doubt. I'll have to give her this. She doesn't do the uh, um, you know. No, she's reading a teleprompter. You can see she is staring dead into the teleprompter and she cannot read. There's no way somebody wrote that into the teleprompter. That's so bad. Dude, it is absolutely terrible. I don't think she can. I don't don't, Maybe she can't read what they wrote in in the teleprompter. But one thing one thing to keep in mind is apparently she's so horrible to work for. Most of her staff quit. So they probably just paid anybody that they could. Right. So they just put it up on Fiverr. They're like, we need a speech for the vice president. Okay. So this is in Poland. Okay. So hold on. This happened in, in Warsaw. So most likely what happened is some Polish person wrote this for her. And that was translated from Polish into English. And she's just reading it the way that they translated. I don't know, dude, this is terrible. Well, you know, since since European OnlyFans uh, content creators are losing money just left and right, they probably had one of them do it. Some like OnlyFans tranny out of Poland. (laughs) It's like it's like one of those skits in the movie where somebody wears the earpiece and like tells them what to say. Oh, it's that. They have to take a second to listen while they say practical. Was it Practical Jokers or something like that? With uh, or like Saving Saving Silverman or something. The part where she's like, there definitely needs to be an investigation. What is there like? Is there like a crack investigation team that's going to be going to the Ukraine to verify things that people saw or didn't see, but think they saw and think they'll see? Right. Well, it's the cast like, of NCIS <laughs> Miami. It's going to be heading out there. 
Mark, Mark Harmon and uh, and and some rapper. Akon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, Akon. He's the guy who goes back. He's the big Africa guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then could it be Jesse Smollett. That guy just got prison time. Oh man. Hello, hello, Cool J and and prison Dennis time. Quaid are going down there right now. To... He didn't get prison time. He got 150 days, dude. Wait, right, Reinhardt, what guy? Juicy uh, just... Small Hat. Yeah, the guy who faked the hate crime on himself. Yeah, he only got like 150 days and then some community service. Yes. Or probation. But he, did, he's, he is not suicidal. No, he's he declared. said himself he is not suicidal, which is funny that he thinks he's important enough to be suicided. Right. In in this, or, or to be disappeared like an Epstein or Max, you know, or, or uh, uh, McAfee. I was going to say Maxwell, but McAfee. Speaking of Maxwell, what's up with Ghislaine? Like, she was supposed to get another trial. Is she going to go to prison? Like, I thought she was supposed to get another trial that was not slated for like the summer. Mm, so is she like in jail or is she like on work? Like she got like a bracelet, ankle bracelet. Work release. <laughs> yeah, work release. Is she like, I don't know, her sister. I mean, because she working with her sister on some sort of new backdoor to some sort of uh, top secret cybersecurity program. Ooh, speaking of um, cybersecurity. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was rhetorical. That was pretty much rhetorical. Uh, she's on she's on the Dark Trace yacht right now. Right, Dark Trace, dude. How spooky is that that shit in the book, man? The the cybersecurity dark stuff. I it, I don't understand it well enough to you know like I he he put a long quote from another book mm-hmm. in there uh, that that. I was I was I was reading it very closely, and I'm like, man, I really need to see the rest of this book. What was Reinhardt? What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say it melds nicely with the um, the growing mercenary industry, uh, basically private military contractor uh, industry, um, which is actually larger, I want to say, than most of the country's organized militaries. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, companies like. Blackwater that turned into what was it Z or something or yeah uh, we had uh, we saw a lot of those guys in the oh, Australian okay. protests um, mm-hmm. multiple protests around the world actually mm-hmm. um, I mean guys in black suits they'll show up to really any country where there's cameras yep there's something and, going on I mean yep. they could be they could be Ukraine right now I don't know they probably so, are come on so let's this- be honest. So this part on page 240 uh, is a quote from this book by a guy named Johnny Vedmore, and the book is called Dark Trace and Cyber Reason, the intelligence front company seeking to subjugate the world with AI singularity. (laughs) I wonder how tight those guys are connected with Jordy Rose. So I liked this first part here. He says, it says, uh, we are about to experience a monumental change in technology, starting with next generation cybersecurity that will then move quickly into the unknown. Unsupervised AI now running on critical networks throughout the world as cybersecurity product is evolving its own algorithm without the need for humans to be involved. Meanwhile, the wealthy patrons funding this cutting edge future tech are out in force working to propel our societies into this new, unexplored, and dystopian technological future. Yep. 
Absolutely. Uh, we call them philanthropists in our country. Uh, in other country, we call them oligarchs. Hmm. But the, data yeah, the, is the, data is the fuel of the fourth industrial revolution. He goes on to say. Oh, absolutely. That's and which is one of the reasons why companies like Google and Facebook are putting up multiple football field sized data storage facilities. Yeah, data data will become the new reality. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you don't think that that's happening, I again, this is I don't know what to tell you anymore. Like this is literally what's happening. I mean, Google And no, is, we are not going to colonize the stars with, you know, white uh, interstellar con- uh, uh, colonization. You are going to sit in a bunker attached to a quantum computer. <laughs> well, you you can't colonize luminaries that are, you know, above the water of the dome. Also, that right, right. Also, had space isn't real. Right. Anyway, um, we why don't we just go ahead and ring up Scott? Let's take. Well, you guys want to take a break, and then we'll ring up Scott Howard, and we'll do. A, yeah, yeah, let's. Let's play some propeller heads. I like propeller heads. They're a lot of fun. Which one is this? This one is... What's it called? Lethal Cut. I used to drop this one in a nice breaks mix. Yes. All right. I will will allow it this time. It's not DMB. So I like propeller heads. All right. We'll be back with Scott Howard.
right, everybody, we're back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny Monoxide with Dogbot, Reinhardt, and Grognak. We are about to interview Mr. Scott Howard. Sit tight. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Thanks for coming back. Well, uh, thank you for the invite. I'm, uh, I'm glad you had me back. Absolutely, man. Uh, your book is extremely prescient and timely right now, I have to say. Um, we have... <laughs> It's weird, huh? Wasn't it weird how that happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, right. It, well, you know, it's funny because I didn't actually even it, time that. You know, I actually wrote it um, probably two years ago. Really? Two and a half. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and for whatever reason, it just, uh, everything's just started popping off. Huh. Strange. You're like a prognosticator or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dog well, that, kind of, that, that kind of takes my first question uh, into a different, you know, into a different light. What what made you undertake writing this as a follow up to transgender industrial complex, or were you, or were you writing it simultaneously? Um, at, well, actually, yeah, it was it was more or less simultaneous. Um, I was um, I was going through a move, um, moving back to Nebraska, and I was basically sequestered. Um, for a while and I started digging into the trans stuff and I probably cut, oh, a hundred pages out of it because it's just so long Jeez. and, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of that <laughs> cutting was, uh, was context about, you know, geopolitics and these other things that basically, uh, kind of feed into it. Mm-hmm. Because the conclusion of that book kind of opens up into you know the food supply and all these different uh, you know other avenues. How it's basically the same principal actors who are trying to you know control all these things and how the transgender aspect is one of many avenues. Um, and so that formed the nucleus of this other book where I felt like there were a lot of people who were aware of things like the color revolutions and uh, and all of that, but it really hadn't been talked about. Uh, beyond oh this sort of uh well in the mainstream certainly anything beyond you know the simultaneous uprising for democracy and all the other crap you know that we see and uh, you know there were people talking about uh you know the alternative media and other people talking about all these things and um i i wanted to, to sort of start connecting the dots between these different uh phenomena that were happening and, and basically just sort of open it up uh into and understanding because, you know, there've been some great, there's been some great work on, you know, things that have happened in South Africa, things that have happened, um, you know, in Russia and all these different things that I wanted to kind of just collate that and, and show how I kind of tied into a lot of the same principal actors. Um, and, and that, uh, that last chapter, um, of the book, which is quite grim, uh, was initially in the trans book. Ah, and I, and I, yeah, and I pulled it out and closed with it here uh, to basically show again how uh, this sort of so-called open society creates the ability for uh, you know these things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was going to say, and, and one, real quick, uh, when I when I was on that on that note, when I was reading the Open Society Playbook. I had these flashbacks back to the transgender industrial complex, and it's almost like you could take one book in one hand and one book in the other hand and do like a shuffle. You know, and they kind of go together, and you can shuffle the books together. Like these are like A and B, or parts one and two of a series. So, or like you said, you can interchange chapters almost. 
in these books. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's funny, as you say, cause you know, it does, it's funny. They picked up on that, that they were pretty much simultaneous because they, I mean, they were, um, so <laughs> that is amazing. Was, by the was, way, that is, that is like, that is some Stephen Lang and big brain shit right there, man. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I was, I was thinking while I was reading it, I'm like, he must've been writing this, uh, when we interviewed him the first time. Right. No, you know? no and, dog. And, he wrote it at the same time. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so I, <laughs> I had a, I had a question about George Soros. He, he's been a boogeyman to the red team, right? For over a decade. And this causes many people on the so-called dissident right to dismiss him. Can you please articulate why, despite this fact, his efforts deserve examination and consideration, please? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, he's one of those figures, uh, you know, we hear about Bill Gates and the Clintons and these people that, you know, they're sort of entry level. Uh, I don't want to say, call it conspiracy people necessarily, but kind of sure uh, if, if we can put it that way. Um, I mean, it's this is the show it, for it. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, people so, use it as a pejorative towards us, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I'm used to it. Fa fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, what's, what was, uh, uh, what's interesting is he is, uh, you know, Mr. Open Society. I mean, it was through his endeavors that uh, a very good percentage of the things that we see in terms of uh, – uh, you know, the things that eventually become all the LGBT plus whatever uh, nonsense mm -hmm. take shape. Um, and, and now, uh, is it Soros and then everyone following from Soros? No, I think probably Soros is a front for uh, more powerful people whose names we don't know um, and, and other major actors. But he's kind of the front guy for that and has the money uh, and the means to to do some of those things. So, but he, this is a guy who who is... Uh, he said basically explicitly, I, I, my efforts and the efforts of the U S state department are more or less synonymous. Uh, so you have on the one hand, the sort of public private dichotomy, right? That, you know, so a lot of the libertarians get all hung up on it. It's like, no, they're doing the same thing. They're just doing different avenues. Um, so, you know, we're talking about a guy who, uh, helped facilitate the plunder of Russia, um, who basically, was the trial balloon in South Africa as far as ending apartheid and, and uh, creating the rainbow nation, uh, and right. the disaster that's, that's, that it's become. So, um, you know, the, the plight of the Boer and all these people in South Africa, I mean, that's a very large percentage of that is, is Soros and Soros money that's gone in there um, and went in there as a trial uh, mm. for the things that he would then try over in the, uh, in the Eastern Bloc. And so, uh, uh, as as you notice as you read the book, there's a lot about uh, places like Ukraine um, and Russia, and that is absolutely uh, his role is absolutely central in um, creating this tension and this fault line as far as things like NATO. And, and you know, and it's interesting because we keep hearing all these things about NATO now uh, and NATO's expansion. We sort of for a long time we're thinking of NATO as sort of quaint antiquated thing that you know didn't really have much re uh, relevance anymore and and we're seeing that that's become the fault line and so all these efforts of nato and and uh you have the kind of plausible deniability because then you have the ngos like the soros type people who are then going in there and trying to situate individuals um in in positions of power in the same way that they do here and that could be people from you know your local da uh to 
prime ministers. Um, and so you start looking at a lot of these former Soviet countries and, and the influence that uh, he had there. Um, and there's been pushback in some of them, like obviously like Russia and, and Hungary and a few others. But, um, you know, we see that where the soft power um, avenue, which is basically what Soros and the sort of uh, uh, extensions of the U.S. State Department, like USAID, USAID is another major one, um, where they seed this money out. They basically try to create the illusion of grassroots you know, progressivism. Where that fails, uh, NATO will go in and force. Um, and so I cover a lot about Yugoslavia in there as well, because mm-hmm. you know you have the you have the uh, Jewish Wesley Clark saying, you know, well, there's no more room for the nation state in Europe, and basically we're going to bomb uh, Yugoslavia to bits uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that that we cripple Serbia and that we don't have you know any strong powers in the region. So uh, they're they're really hand at glove, quite frankly. But but you know all the NGOs. Have. So Soros is you know the short answer to that is. Soros is every much the bogeyman that, you know, Team Red likes to say he is. Um, but, you know, obviously they don't really touch much of the uh, tribal affiliations, let's say, which is obviously a major component of this. And, and obviously the listeners know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't you can't talk about this idea of the open society without talking about without the tribe, obviously. Right. Um, but well, but but the, all of this is just prelude to what they're trying to to do next, you know, that's, so open it up to close it down, basically. Right. And the open are. society was, uh, written, what was it? 1945? The, the book, the, the, the playbook, I, I, I the original so. playbook. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I believe it was. Right. And it was written by a Jew, obviously. Popper. Yeah. Yes. Karl Popper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> obviously. Yes. So, you know, you can't you can't talk about this. And he would in his book, he speaks of the first world order, which, you know, now we have the new world order. And we're, like they were talking about transitioning to using the exact same language, new world order in 1945. Um, so these things like people like your your Klaus Schwab's, your uh, Bill Gates. Yeah, he's another one. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. There's no they don't have any real power. Right, Scott, the World Economic Forum. So, right. Right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, I've as a kind of follow up, I, I probably at some point should dive into this more deeply, maybe a, a third book. Um, I, I've written some pieces for the Occidental Observer, basically going into the World Economic Forum. And um, if you if you dig into the history of uh, Schwab and, and who his affiliations are, I mean, he is is a very close uh, associate with Henry Kissinger mm-hmm. um, and also uh, Otto von Habsburg. So the old European uh, ruling families and the kind of. Uh, new Jewish, uh, you know, sort of world reshaper with America as the spear tip school. So he's kind of like, if you made like a Venn diagram of of sort of Zionism and, uh, you know, this uh, kind of old feudal uh, aristocracy, you know, Schwab and the World Economic Forum basically sits right in the middle. And then that's, uh, those are the kind of the two major forces um you know, animating this as I as I see it, um, mm-hmm. uh, trying to create this new this new world order. Right, and the World Economic Forum they basically have a college for world leaders, right? More or less. Oh, uh, they do, no. they do. Um, and uh, I'm going to see if I can pull it up here, and I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I mean, you can list uh, off. You can you could throw a dart at 
maps and hit any country and pretty much name 10 to 15 politicians that were members of the World Economic Forum or graduated from that school, including the leaders like like Justin Trudeau and uh, Jacinda Ardern and uh, what's his face, the Trump looking guy over there. Um, in England, fuck's his name right now. I can Boris. I can never remember his name. Boris Johnson. Yes, Boris Johnson. Who's also who's um, half Jewish. Right, Macron. <laughs> um, you can. I mean, all these people. All these. These are World Economic Forum. But oh, 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 God! I forgot, guys. Putin was with the World Economic Forum, but the World Economic Forum just banned Russia. So that must mean, that must mean Russia is like not in on it, right? <laughs> right. Well, I, exactly. I mean. It's all too good to be true, right? The the, the, uh, the timing's all too convenient. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just funny because like oh now it's like you know the uh, the uh, there's there's members of the political talking head sphere that are like oh well Russia got kicked out of the World Economic Forum so clearly 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 he is not in on any of this stuff and this Ukraine stuff is just natural and not not totally fake and and or gay at all. Right, it's very no, interesting. There, some of these some of these people say the UN uh, uh, has absolutely zero power whatsoever, and yet every single leader, every single it, your railroad commissioner in your state are following all the Agenda Twenty Thirty and Event Two Hundred One programs to hmm. a T. You know, the, it, it's it, it's from top to bottom, even members of your school board. So. <laughs> it's odd. It's odd how they just kind of, kind of the way the way science just kind of fell into the Kabbalah, the way that these guys just fell into all of the Agenda 21, 2030 stuff. It's weird. Crazy how right. nature did um, that. And, and all the, you know, all the occultic stuff too, right? The World Economic Forum, you go on, they've got stuff like Druid Collective and they've got all these bizarre, you know, occultic things that they're, yeah. they're engaged in, you know, that uh, I think sort of uh, intersects obviously with Kabbalah and all that other stuff too. You know, the, all the Moloch and the Baal right. worship and all these other all things. The it's very, you know, it's, it's all just a coincidence, of course. Right, right. Hey, obviously, it's like just Alex Jones, so I can start talking about Bohemian Grove. But, uh, right, <laughs> right. It's all <laughs> Alex Jones tier conspiracy theory, and it's conspiracy candy to make people like me salivate. That's hey, really well, it, it, it how, how does it make you feel that uh, he's had the best track record, probably in the? <laughs> in the last 20 years of, of anybody else. I mean, yeah. So uh, sometimes I wonder if he's had some of that information allowed by him to leak out. Of course. So right. it's, so, so it sounds crazy once people actually hear about it. Sometimes. No, Alex Jones is 100% project mockingbird, uh, CIA, uh, whatever you want to call it. COINTELPRO. He's allowed to do what he does. He goes on Piers Morgan and he bloviates, like uh, bombastically about you know 1776 will commence again and all that stuff and everybody <laughs> everybody thinks he's absolutely insane they that turn in the channel but he's telling the truth but he does it in that manner so that later on when it comes true like the only person who was saying it was the crazy guy and it, it's it's part of the plan it's all part of the script it's all part of the act I don't know how people don't see this at this point in the game. I don't know what to tell these people anymore. Um, but yeah, the occult hey, stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey, uh, well, I was I was going to ask Scott a question. But, oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, m- many listeners are familiar with the Great Replacement. Can you please inform them on how it's merely a component to the Great Reset or the Fourth Industrial Revolution? Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, essentially, the idea here is that you want to have 
uh, populations that are so atomized and alienated um, that they more or less have no substantive connection to nation, to even each other, to the family. You know, so all the LGB stuff is basically, you know, designed to fracture the family and all the COVID vaccine stuff. One of the angles uh, or one of the side benefits uh, to that as, as uh, uh, among other things would be, you know, having uh, families basically torn apart and, and having um, different fracture points like vax, no vax, you know, all these different things. But basically um, the idea is to just cleave everyone off. So they are essentially individuals, but atomized and alienated individuals who are then very easy to propagandize and eventually plug into, um, you know, the, the where I see this going is I, I really do think that they're going to try to plug us into some kind of a machine or some kind of interface. Because um, the fourth industrial revolution and things Schwab talks about is all stuff about like cloud computing and augmented bo- bodies, the Internet of Bodies he talks mm. about. Um, so the idea is basically you use demographics as a weapon uh, to fracture any of the you know, so-called closed populations who might offer some meaningful resistance. And those would be you know, a lot of those Eastern Bloc countries, which are now, unfortunately, uh, very much in the, the orbit of the West and are, and are trending that way uh, very hard. And so the idea is basically you just uh, wreck these countries, um, you know, economically, demographically, whatever, any means you can. Uh, make it appear that you know the people in power are sort of mismanaging it, but you know maybe you have the you have all the you know kabuki theater of trying to resist and all these other things. Uh, oh well, we'll you know cut down on illegal immigration, blah 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 blah. blah. But you use all of these things that basically have people so disgusted with their surroundings and so alienated and fractured um, and divorced from anything of any substance, they turn inward. Um, uh, and then what you'll be able to do. Uh, particularly as you're creating these people who are incredibly reliant on the system uh, and on their conveniences and all these other things is there's a reason you start seeing all these, you know, the cyber polygon and all these other things about the cyber attacks, which of course uh, the the last one they gamed out was, was heavily tied to Russia. Um, and, you know, you'll probably have some kind of a cyber attack, which will be considered a Pearl Harbor moment where we then have to go fight Russia. Um, you know, but it, you could have a mass die off as the as the grid goes down. And obviously they're trying to get us all on a, you know, a digital currency, a central currency where they could track everything um, and, and all those things that all plays into the, uh, you know, the ultimate goal of what they're trying to do is, the, you know, basically bring about if you're you know if you're christian the b system or the one world system the new order system whatever you want to call it it's all the same it's the same people right mm-hmm. um and as far as you know at, and since this is the the avenue for it my jet my honest belief um is that what they are doing is they are taking orders from what they believe to be some kind of uh artificial intelligence but is probably a demon in the machine or satan um, essentially driving them and giving them the marching orders. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you guys have ever read the book "That Hideous Strength" um, by C.S. Lewis. Uh, uh, honestly, probably the closest thing that I've read to what I think is actually going on. Really, um, what's it called? Uh, essentially, uh, "That Hideous Strength" by Grognack, C.S. Lewis. Write that down. The, the, the Narnia guy. <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's a there's an organization called the National Institute for uh, something coordinated experiments. And it's basically this organization of guys who are, uh, very much like your Schwab types. And this, mind you, this was written in like world war two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 
quote fiction, but I think it's probably as accurate as anything. Um, and there's there's the the bent one or Satan essentially who's uh, giving these guys their marching orders, uh, but they're not really aware of that. They think they're kind of acting of their own autonomy, and they have this agenda that they're looking to act out. I don't want to spoil too much uh, about the book, but it's it's absolutely worth reading. But even though it's quote fiction, um, I think it pretty closely encapsulates uh, uh, what's going on. I think closer than anything else I've I've read actually. Um, but I do believe there's some kind of a demonic superintelligence that uh, these people believe that they're kind of in league with, but they they themselves are being uh, misled to some ultimate end uh, beyond that. But one hundred percent, that is. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't lodge you you, know, you can't uh, prove that with evidence, right? Uh, so right. In in this quite the same way, but. Uh, there's so, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, a lot of symbolic evidence. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, when these guys go traipsing around out in fields wearing purple robes with moons and stars and shit all over it, holding hands and chanting weird stuff, um, I, I don't know what to tell. There's there's nothing going on. Well, I don't care if you don't believe it. These people believe it, and they're the ones that run this place. So right, yeah. exactly. Whether you believe it or not is irrelevant, pal. They do, and they have all the money, yeah, and all they, the power. Yeah, they don't do these giant rituals before opening something like CERN if it didn't mean something to them. It's right. it's a yeah, right. No, these are just these are just conspiracy candy things to make people like us and Alex Jones get all nuts and crazy and overlook everything like actual political analysis. Yeah, you know? right. Right, because Absolutely. you know when you what you really need here is uh, material political analysis and investigation as opposed to conspiracy theory, because these are just conspiracy theories that just so happen to come true. You know, five, ten years, twenty years later, six months now. What's it? What does it take to, for a conspiracy theory to become fact? Now, what? Two, three weeks, ten days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, I, and by twenty twenty, it was down to six months. By twenty twenty two, it's it's a it's a few weeks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Scott, what do you what do you say to a normie that still believes there is some kind of separation between government and corporations? I mean, everything everything I've seen from both of your books is these things are so massively interwoven that there is that there really is no there really is no objective way to tell the difference between either. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. Usually, what I try to do is, I mean, that's you know these. Um, these books I tried to design to be as normie friendly as possible. Um, and, and I know my writing style isn't necessarily the easiest sometimes in, in terms of the density of information, but I like to basically essentially a lot of info kind of thinking of it. <laughs> I, I like to think of it as basically like a reference book. So they have, uh, empirical evidence that you could basically point to and say here, like, you know, you know, you know, if the person, whoa, where's your study, you know, whatever. Here, this book has the studies, has the information. So that's why I'm so, you know, comprehensive with the information because I also am aware of those accusations of all oh, conspiracy, blah, 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 blah. So I go to the same way, you know, Kevin McDonald does and uses use their words and their sources and all these other things. But absolutely. You know, to to, to illustrate things, I try to point to um uh I try to point to things like USAID or um InQtel, which is uh the CIA's well. "Quote unquote," it's not the CIA's, but it's basically the CIA's venture capital firm. Um, and I point to things like that, and, and then you can talk about, you know, Peter Thiel, who was, uh, 
you know, heavily involved in that and was, you know, on the board of Facebook and was one of the initial investors of Facebook, uh, who, by the way, was also part of the World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders uh, Summit, as was Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so huh. these people are, you know, yeah, say. yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Zuck, isn't that interesting? It's a conspiracy, I am not right? surprised. Um, so, right. <laughs> they're, they're some of the original ones. Um, so, you know, you can look at things like that and you could kind of point some of those things out and say, look, they're this is where the gray area is. Um, and so things are not as uh, cut and dry as you might think. Um, and, and here's some evidence kind of showing you where, you know, there's overlap um, as far as that's concerned. Or uh, you could talk about how, uh, you know, the World Economic, uh, sorry, not the World Economic Forum, um, the Open Society, um, uh, what's the name of it? It's, it's uh, um, it's escaping me right here. Uh, give me one second. Actually, I'm going to pull it up. Um, to give you. Man, I, don't, I understand not being able to keep all this stuff straight. You have a lot of information. You said dense on information. It is dense. Right. Some, is, of the, oh. some of the paragraphs when you're listing all these different corporations and people involved and everything, sometimes my eyes literally glaze over. I'm trying to read that that paragraph but it's like i it's i it's it's impo- it like i'm like well these are the people involved let's get you know I, yeah i get it. you get to the you get to the nuts and bolts of it and i really appreciate it well that's what dog but i was telling you earlier today it's like he'll list off you know you can list off a bunch of names and what their you know what their affiliations are and that list of affiliations and corporations that they're tied to can take half a page you know, one person like, dude, if you were to list Henry, Henry Kissinger's affiliations and like what boards and stuff that he sits on, it'd be a whole fucking chapter. Yeah. How did they have time for all this stuff? That's what I'm saying. You wonder. They, they don't. They can't. There's no way. Unless, like we said in the Switzerland episode, there's only one office and there's like one, you know, it's it's like um, the Legion of Doom and they have like the round table and they all sit around there and, you know, with the big with the big flat earth map of the globe. Right. I mean, it's, to be honest with you, it's possible. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, and yeah, I believe it. You know, somewhere well, under Lake or, Geneva, you know, they might have. You know, the, the other thing is is I've been thinking about is, uh, um, you know, they very possibly. When, when did they clone Dolly the sheep? What twenty five years ago? Something like that. Uh, That's yeah, what they least. tell us. Right, yeah. right. So they told us about it in nineteen ninety four, I believe. Right. So I mean, maybe they're they have copies that they send out there. I mean, look at Biden. The guy looks like he's not alive. He looks like which, he's not there. Which Biden? eyes and right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we humbly joke around here that we're on our, our fifth or sixth silver alert president. Oh, real quick guys. I lied. It was 1996, but anyway, so, oh, yeah. right. So they, so they've been working <laughs> on that, you know, 20 years before, well, at least. Probably, right. but we're, we're Gen Xers. The nineties we were a blur. Come on. Right. <laughs> I do remember. I remember the cloning of the sheep. And I, I remember hearing that, and and I remember um, saying at that particular moment that eventually women would become obsolete because of that. I remember working at a retail outlet and having to hear that damn Chumbawamba song every forty-five minutes on the overhead. So yes, that got to do with cloning sheep, dogbot. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, what did you did you find the thing? We filibustered for you, Scott. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I did. Um, so you could point to, for example, so the reason I do all those connections is just to to basically illustrate to the reader. I mean, it's like 
you don't have to obviously remember, oh, well, they're on this board and this board and this board. The reason I do that is basically, uh, one, if you want to start tracking down the different things. So if you want to look at, say, the Atlantic Council or the Aspen Institute or, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum or whatever, you know, the Marshall Fund, uh, American Enterprise Institute, you know, all these things, you could start you could go and look and, and it shows up. But the, the whole point is to basically show you how interconnected all this is and how it's basically just a, uh, uh, you know, a shell game. And so they're, they're moving around all these things. But like what I was going to say is I was going to pull up uh, a figure that you could really look at as far as that's concerned uh, would be uh, uh, Tumas uh, Hendrik Ilves, uh, who was uh, a president of Estonia. Um, and then his successor, and you know, obviously former Soviet bloc. Um, so Ilves in 2006 uh, was elected president of Estonia, but he grew up in the U.S. He attended Columbia and Penn. Uh, he was a journalist with Radio Free Europe from 84 to 93. Um, he was the uh, he's been involved with the World Economic Forum and the World Bank, um, and he has received awards from the Aspen Institute, National Democratic Institute, Atlantic Council, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he's been involved with uh, all these different individuals. Uh, so he's on the advisory council, the Alliance for Securing uh, Democracy, uh, which is an NGO that has people like Jake Sullivan, uh, Bill Crystal, uh, Michael McFall, you know, the guy who's like uh, Mr. Uh, what, the, what the hell was he known for? I'll come back to that. John Podesta. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike, he's those yeah. guys. Uh, Michael Chertoff, the Jew who wrote, uh, or was one of the co-authors of the Patriot Act. So these people, this is the the president, uh, former president of Estonia. Um, his successor, uh, Kirsty uh, Kaljuliad, uh, quote, holds liberal views on social issues such as LGBT rights and immigration. In 2014, the Open Estonia Foundation awarded her the uh, Award of Unity. The Esto- Open Estonia Foundation is also part of you know, uh, the Open Society Foundation. So there you go. So you can see how these things all uh, are sort of intertwined with each other. So that's just well, an illustrative figure. So you could just point at somebody like that and just say, hey, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, what What am I... I'm sorry. Um, no, go ahead. Well, one of my questions for you was going to be, outside of George Soros, were there any other figures during your research that you feel deserve the spotlight for heinous acts that they don't receive? Uh, well, quite frankly, I think, uh, on a, I mean, the Clintons are well-known, right? But they're part of this kind of overall um, uh, nexus of these things. But honestly, I, I think Bill Gates um, and all the, and basically everyone who's been involved in the, the quote-unquote vaccine agenda, um, which is inextricably intertwined with the food, you know, uh, getting control of the food supply, and all the agricultural land. Um, but the problem is this, right? It's, it's, you have people like Soros and Bill Gates, but it's more the system itself. And and this is the problem is that like you could, it's like a Hydra, you know, you could snap your fingers and these people could vanish off the scene, but they have people behind them who would just step into their, their place. Um, so it's really the whole system of operation. and, And, and I think a lot of it, probably the, the majority of it, if you could address somehow the global financial system uh, and the money machine and the fake, you know, the fake and gay money and everything else, 
uh, that's used as leverage, I think you'd actually have a fighting chance. But uh, the for that to happen, you'd you'd have a global catastrophe. I mean, as far you you would have su- such massive. I mean, we may be even talking about going into the dark ages, such massive upheaval. But um, honestly, with the direction things are going, uh, that might be not the worst outcome. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so I, it's it's I, I find that it's generally less individuals and more of the institutions. They sort of incubate these people and they get them out and then they sort of recycle them, yeah, you know, between all these different places. But this is the thing I was going to uh, circle back to Michael McFall, the guy I just referenced. Um, this is a, a quote from an article that he penned in 2004. The Washington Post and Michael McFall was uh, an Obama appointed U.S. ambassador to Russia, uh, and he openly bragged about um, the, the the U.S. interference in Ukraine's election all the way back in 2004. And this is a direct quote. Uh, it's a little bit. It's not super long, but it's it's worth uh, quoting here in its entirety because, as we talked about, um, the book really has happened to be very germane to you know everything we're seeing now. So anyway, so this is a quote from that guy McFall. He says, uh, did Americans meddle in the internal affairs of Ukraine? Yes. The American agents of influence would prefer different language to describe their activities, democratic assistance, democracy promotion, civil society support, etc. But their work, however labeled, seeks to influence political change in Ukraine. The U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID, uh, the National Endowment for Democracy, and a few other foundations sponsored certain U.S. organizations, including Freedom House, the International Republican Institute, the National Democratic Institute, blah, 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 uh, and several others to promote small grants and technical assistance to Ukrainian civil society. The European Union, individual European countries, and the Soros-funded International Renaissance Foundation did the same. Does this kind of intervention violate international norms? Not anymore. There was a time when championing state sovereignty was a progressive idea since the advance of statehood help destroy empires. And then I go on to talk about, uh, uh, Carrie Bolton's, this is a, that's a direct quote from that guy. McCall. Right. Right. That's, uh, he I, actually I said I this in that. an interview. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I go on to talk about how, um, Terry Bolton has done a lot of great work about this, about the idea of the nation state destroying empire. And then eventually, of course, you have to destroy the nation state. Um, and, and so it's just, it's like, the next big thing, right? <laughs> but like you in fold it all into that. itself. Exactly. That's right. Um, so how many of their how many of these books from these kinds of people that are involved in the open society did you sit down and read like cover to cover or what like like what what does research for something because I this is so comprehensive and so is the transgender industrial complex. I've I've described both of your books to people as essentially textbooks and in a in a world done right, there would be a university courses that actually go over this stuff. I mean Well in a world what, done right, we like, wouldn't need these books. Well, <laughs> right. True. Well yeah. 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 But but I um, but I appreciate the compliment. Oh absolutely, yeah. man. These thank you. These books are amazing and I actually um a while back, I brought the transgender industrial complex into work and was reading it at lunch. And somebody asked me what I was reading. And so I, I was like, here, you know, like, John, you know, a lot of stuff here. What do you, you know, well, this is what I read and this is how I know the things I know. And my buddy was flipping through it. 
And he said, this was exactly what he said. He's like, is this a book for a class or something? Is this a textbook? Is this, is this something you could buy? I'm like, no, dude, this is not a textbook. This is actually, um, it's not even, I guess you could call it a reference book, right? This is a, you know, like reference books are usually like encyclopedias. These are small encyclopedias is what they are. Well, yeah. And I mean, and, and I kind of aimed to do that. I mean, you know, I, I could have been more, you know, flashy with, with prose and different things like that, that, but my goal was basically to just have the information. And so to try to map out the connections so people could just oh, again, yeah. have no, that and go back to it and just say, the Look, connections this is happening. Here's the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The connections in these books, if you can't read through this and see, they can look at what's going on right now on the world stage, like either book, it doesn't matter. Pick, pick either book. Just pick a spot in the book and read that and you'll be able to find something in reality right now that's going on that's in this book like it's i don't i don't know this is this is the script like the open society playbook is the script for what's going on right now in europe and united states and everywhere uh the transgender industrial complex is what's is the script for what's going on with everybody's kids um mostly your kids i mean i mean they're they're getting adults too but mostly kids yeah, like I, I don't even want to mislead the audience here. The Open Society Playbook discusses George Soros towards the beginning, but it's not really a, it's not like it's a book about George Soros. It's about like something that he has helped uh, catapult and set into motion. Mm. But like like you said, like it's a system, a machine that even if even if he's not involved, there there are so many other people that are acolytes of his that are keeping this thing alive and well. It's oh, that's a good word there, Doug. About the acolyte system, actually, because that's that's exactly how a lot of these things go. Um, if somebody goes away, somebody rises up to take their place. Just uh, his kid is ready if, if he ever dies. I mean, we never thought Zbigniew big Brzezinski was going to die, right? I mean, that guy was what two hundred and sixty years old or something. <laughs> but I mean, if if Soros goes, I mean, there's a hundred people to step up and take his place. And um, you said earlier, Scott, that Bill Gates doesn't get the um, uh, enough attention as the bad guy. I, I think normies, more normies, think that Bill Gates is like is you know the evil guy who's trying to like depopulate the earth more than like, the dissident right or the, or even that the dissident right dismisses him right more normies are like no he gives ted talks about vaccines and how he wants to depopulate the earth i think i, I think there's a disconnect there somewhat yeah i, I mean I, I would agree with that i think that um i guess i'm saying he's under oh no not you say i'm saying underrated, underrated, but, yeah i'm sorry go ahead well i well being i mean i you know kind of circulating in the dissident sphere, I suppose my perspective is skewed, right? So I'm going, oh, well, people aren't talking about Bill Gates enough. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the average person sees that um, much more so. But, uh, you know, we we don't as as much or, or see, you know, the dissident sphere kind of dismisses it a little bit. But I mean, it, the it's the vaccine stuff, but it's also it's also the food supply. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's he's the largest uh, land holder of agricultural land in the United States. Right. Um, you know, and these guys are all connected to, you know, the Rockefeller foundation and, and all the, you know, uh, all of the sort of, 
mechanized farming and all these other things mm-hmm. that have, uh, you know, displaced people and, and completely transformed society over the last you know, 120 years. I mean, like he's intertwined with that. But they're not uh, Jews, Scott. <laughs> they're not Jews. So no, they they're can't not. Matter. They're they're not. Well, well, I think no, I think I think Bill Gates is because I actually believe the quote, the supposed quote from his father, where he said they changed their name to Gates because there were already enough prominent Jews in America. Well, it would not surprise me. Right. Um, the the thing about this is, I mean, there, like I said, you have the kind of old school uh, ruling class, and I, actually, maybe I should say with the Venn diagram, there's probably a third uh, <laughs> group as well with the World Economic Forum, which is the nouveau riche of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have your Gates, and and you know, a lot of these people, and of course, a lot of them are Jews as well. Um, and they're intertwined with it too, right? Like they might be not themselves Jewish, but they're uh, very much uh, ingratiated with the tribe. So, you know, Bill Clinton's daughter, uh, you know, Chelsea Clinton, um, who, uh, th- this is a good one. I-, I forget who the reporter was, but back in the, I think it was back in the 90s, uh, he got fired because he said the, the Clinton, someone said something to the effect of the Clintons were the first family not to have a White House dog. Uh, and he said, yeah, they have one. Or, its name's Chelsea. <laughs> um, but, uh, That's because uh, Webb Hubble is ugly. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but, um, you know, I think that. Uh, and, um, and, and uh, you know, I think that, uh, well, I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought now, Sorry. but um, <laughs> it's fine. Sorry. You know, I, I think that, the, oh, yeah, the, the old ruling class, you know, these people, uh even still, it was, you know, finance uh, with echoes around it, um, which very much controlled the purse strings for all these activities. So though, you know, again, some of them may not themselves be Jewish, um, you know, they're either sort of intermarried like Chelsea Clinton, like uh, I think all of Biden's kids married Jews. Yep. Um uh, what's her name? Harris's husband's a Jew, yep. you know, um, you know, all these things. Right. So, so their, their, their hooks are in there, whether, whether the individuals are themselves Jewish or not. And I mean, right. tech is, is a very intensely you know, Jewish thing, obviously. Absolutely. Um, is, is this, is this what you meant by the clever turn of phrase, the church of clientology? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, exactly. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's like, uh, you know, and and obviously we know that they run Hollywood, right? So um, it, it's a little little wink on that, and the whole Scientology nonsense, and yeah, exactly. But um, the idea is, it's basically you have um, patronage networks that that animate a lot of this stuff, and so uh, you have certain people in positions of power, and they, um, whether it's like the Forum of Young Global Leaders from World Economic Forum, or you know different things like that, or people who have been. Um, you know, incubated in the finance. I mean, Macron happens to have been a form of uh, an alum of the form of young global leaders for World Economic Forum and a Rothschild banker. So there's a nice twofer for you. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's exactly it. And so you have basically uh, clients, client states. And um, as the financialization has proceeded, um, we've seen the integration of, of these different spheres of influence. Um, most of them uh, disproportionately Jewish, of course. So you have, you know, you're kind of, as I mentioned, you're kind of nouveau riche. You have your, uh, you know, you have your, 
you know, major Jewish influence in, in all these areas. And so sort of, like I said, the World Economic Forum sort of sits in the middle of that Venn diagram for these different things, but it's all kind of heading to this one point, right? So if you're, if you're talking about top-down control, uh, you know, your pyramid, right, with your all-seeing eye, I mean, you, you look at the tech stuff and how uh, the tech is being integrated into finance and, um, you know, you start getting into some of the transhumanism stuff. And so they're really, it's all intertwined. It's all feeding into eventually where they want to go in this one sort of centrally controlled uh uh, uh, point where it then kind of uh, everything is is below that, but also connected, mm-hmm. uh, and so that there won't be any space outside of that. Uh, they don't want there to be any space outside of that, right? And they're definitely connecting all these realms together, and those are all connected by the same. It's always like the Epstein's and the you know. The Eps- just that one name right there, Epstein, is involved in um, transhumanism, finance, uh, te- all kinds of other tech, biomed. I mean, not just Jeffrey Epstein, but like all kinds of Epsteins, right? Or it, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the Epstein wing in Harvard. There's Epstein building at most tech colleges in the United States. Um, and the transhumanism thing is is definitely um, – that's definitely very Jewish just look at all the names that are involved all the way to up from the top down. That's oh, Tikam Olam. Almost all of them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's 100% Tikam Olam. Like, change the world, right? Change change the world, change everybody in it, change everything in it. It's very, very Talmudic. Oh, and, and yeah, change your gender while you're at it. You mm-hmm. know, and, there, and there's a lot of the, uh, you know, this, the, you know, Ray Kurzweil, the singularity guy who is Jewish. Oh, yeah. Um, is, uh, has a avatar, which is like a, like a 20 year old girl or something. Um, and that's his like online avatar. And so you see the transhumanist, the transgender, Martine Rothblatt, who's a transhumanist and transgender. Um, you know, just, just start looking at the people and and absolutely see it. Yep. And yeah, even geez, I don't even know. You can go on and on in the different corporations. Uh, I wonder if speaking of transgender and transhuman, um, I didn't really look into it, but the uh, the new undersecretary of nuclear waste. <laughs> I wonder how Jewish he is. The one with the <laughs> mohawk and the high heels with the dog, puppy dog boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, God. And it, I, I will say this. Um, where they're not Jewish, they're very often, more often than not, homosexual. You don't um, have to repeat yourself. And I, as I make the case of the trans, yeah, but I repeat myself. As right. I mentioned in the transgender industrial complex, they literally say it. Like that's what they, they're saying that yeah. they're like, Oh, well, you know, Judaism is about queerness and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I'll take you at your word then. There you go. Right. Why do, why don't people believe these people? Well, because Jews lie. Okay. They do lie. But like when they write stuff about themselves, they're not lying. They're usually bragging. Like, and then exactly. they're, and then yeah. they're holy books that they don't want to tell you about. They believe in like eight to 10 genders already right. so it, it, right. it's stuff that comes it's stuff that comes out of their own teachings right and but you know it's, it's just i don't know anyways it's always jews right <laughs> jews are jews are homosexuals you know pete yes. uh, buddha judge right yep uh well he's actually a a great pick to be uh transportation secretary he fills the mr garrison 
role from the South. Well, I was going to say because I was going to say because he's used to running trains. Oh, I, I was I was about <laughs> to say because he's cleaned up all, all the glory holes in all the public restrooms across the country. Well, yep, Scott's was I, yeah, actually, I actually remember your uh, your uh, uh, what's that movie? Something about Mary rest stops are the gay bathhouses of the 90s. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh God, it's all, oh, it's all so disgusting. It's also yeah, it disgusting. Is. Yeah, it's and, and at this point it's like, it's, um, it's that meme from empire of dust, you know, also <laughs> tiresome. It's like man yeah, who thought absolutely. it was also tiresome realizes it's even more tiresome than he had previously realized. <sighs> so, okay. Back to your open society playbook. Um, the dogbot you wanted to mention the uh the dark underbelly chapter yeah i i mean i personally found i mean it's called the dark underbelly but i found that chapter to be very dark and ominous i i guess because the you know jewish organized crime is not, is something i guess it's something that is never discussed you know you almost you hear when anytime you hear about organized crime it's, it's in the context of either Italians or, or you know, like drug cartels. Mm -hmm. But uh, how is what you discuss in the dark underbelly, how is Jewish organized crime essential to the Open Society Project? Well, it's, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting because, first of all, um, it is the sort of open movement of people and goods and sort of the semi-permeability of the borders and things like that allows them to very easily move uh, things around. And I mentioned finance, you know, that very much has um, a lot of uh, a role of, of um, you know, money laundering and things like that. And so uh, what you have is basically the, you know, uh, there's, there's tiers to it, right? So, you have obviously the kind of super more superficial thing, which is where you know Jews are, uh, you know they I, I, they don't uh, what what's the thing? There's something like they can't give organs or something like that, right? Um, but they're happy to source them from from the goyes, right? Um, and, and what we see when we look at that is uh, you know these massive organized crime rings, which basically you know drug people and harvest their organs. Um, they, you know, they run drugs, um, drug money. There's been a lot of uh, discussion about drug money as like being sort of integral to the, uh, you know, the Clintons, basically. Oh, mm -hmm. Pete Buttigieg, by the way, was another World Economic Forum uh, young global leader. Because, um, of course. But anyways, your figures, right? Um, so the uh, – but you see that aspect. Uh, you see that um, there we, – we talked about, you know, the transgenderism thing and homosexuality and all this other stuff. Uh, that is very uh, pronounced, and so there is a lot of of the sex trafficking that goes on. Um, and you know, uh, we mentioned Epstein. I mean, that is very much uh, a feature, not a bug, of this. So the the organized crime aspect is yet another, uh, let's call it more unofficial, but certainly um, what's happening is being condoned. Um, you know, nobody is trying to actively combat any of this. Um, so this is, this is where, you know, we find ourselves as far as that's concerned. So, um, you know, it's, it serves multiple different functions there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the establishment basically turns a blind eye to this stuff because, you know, these are the people who are 
you know, making, making things run. Right. Um, so that is, I wouldn't say that it's the most essential, um, uh, aspect of this whole globalist system. Uh, but I will say that it is certainly, uh, one of the most egregiously, um, one of the most egregious, I would say. Um, and, and sort of at its naked, it's like a nakedly, uh, it shows the true face, actually, as how I'll put it. It shows the true face of um, these people. And, and this is precisely uh, where they are, um, where they're wanting to take us. But this is kind of the more, I, I guess we could say, maybe the more vulgar or the mask down version of it, um, where essentially we're all being treated as uh, harvestable, um, whether it's our labor or our organs or you know our kids that they're you know basically sacrificing uh, in, in their, in their own way. Right. Um, well, you know, yeah, but well, by the classification is Goyam alone, we're, we're cattle to them. So, it, you know, I, no, it's, it was, it's, it means nation Dogbot. Don't you know the new <laughs> translation? It means nation. Okay. Don't be, don't be racist. We don't, we don't do that here. on the paranormies. No. Yeah. They we're cattle. We are, we are definitely the cattle. And, and if you read their, their books, they, they speak very freely about what they think about us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, for them, it's, it's not a thing to, you know, traffic thousands of girls from Eastern Europe and, and, uh, right. you know, use all these different. And then of course this stuff is a, is a, um, leverage point, right. Where you could blackmail people and use a lot of these things, um, along those lines to basically, uh, have leverage over um, oh, um different people as well yeah. right yeah this, yeah like make like using, like making a guy who wants to be on the supreme court dress up like his accuser right right yes right um yeah. so scott you're gonna have to take off soon before you do that i want to get what is your take on this russia ukraine dust up well um i think it's a couple things so i think they need some plausible deniability for uh, a lot of mysterious deaths that are going to be happening as a result of the COVID shots. Um, and I think it's easier to hide a lot of dead bodies with a war. Um, it's also, uh, you can use it like like COVID um, as a justification for a lot of things that you're doing that further the means. So if you want to wreck the middle class, which obviously they do, um, you do COVID and then you have all these uh, trade restrictions and you blame all these other things on uh, Russia. And I think what you have here also is you're able to have a uh, a massive brothers war where you kill a, a ton of Europeans um, in, in kind of wiping out the two last major, you know, standalone European powers, uh, you know, in Russia and the, and the United States. Um, and then out of that, I think the, I think the, uh, so-called elites prefer the Chinese model uh, with the social credit score and so sort of the panopticon, everything uh, very intertwined and very tech and, and, and surveillance heavy. And so I think they sort of view China as their future as their bet for the future. Um, now eventually you know they will also be uh, sort of blended into this nondescript you know transhumanist, uh, whatever thing they're trying to do because they don't want any nation states, uh, minus Israel, 
probably um, <laughs> outside of that. Um, and, Scott, and what was funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I want you to finish your thought. I have one lighthearted question to finish, to finish with you before you go. Okay. Um, and the other thing I was going to say about Israel is, is people go, well, if you know, the whole COVID thing is a, you know, conspiracy based around, you know, coming out of, uh, the tribe, uh, why would so many people be signing up for it? Now, it? Well, the obvious answer is neuroticism. Um, but if it is indeed some plank of the sort of transhumanist agenda, uh, you know, wild, wi- a wildly large number of them are eager to join this singularity thing uh, going forward. So I, I think the Russia thing, is, it's all the classical Hegelian dialectic type thing, right? Uh, and you have Russia bad, and, and, and you'll be able to have um, a number of things happen basically as the currency of the United States breaks. Um, and you'll have all this um, or, ordo ab chaos, right? Is that is what they say? Or, or out of chaos. Uh, if you're able to facilitate a third world war, um, you're able to basically wipe out. I mean, their goal is, of course, to, to break the European populations and, and the progeny of Europe because they're the most uh, difficult uh, and the least likely to sort of subscribe to this thing. Although it, and there are a great number of white liberals who uh, you know are very much on board with all this stuff, but uh, in the macro sense. And so I think that, that, that this is just, the, like I said, the next big thing. It's the next step that they're trying to take. Uh, they have a big war and dust up between NATO uh, and Russia, kill a whole bunch more Europeans, uh, and do their best to basically break um, the old model and, and make people hurt really badly and almost want to subscribe to whatever right. the next thing is that they are bringing out the old problem reaction solution there. Uh, you mean you mean NATO and Russia? They're going to have a dust up. You mean the way that they table topped it before they did Event Two Hundred One in twenty nineteen? <laughs> like, dude, uh, no, do you, no, of course not. Uh, right. Let me. All right, real like another one is like these people that <laughs> say like, well, you guys don't just think that they go out there and tell you this stuff, do you? Like, absolutely, they do. If you pay attention. Just literally the books that they write, the papers that they write, the things that they do, and then look at what's happening. How can you not see that they tell us exactly what they're doing? They telegraph everything clearly. Right. They have conferences where they they have conferences where they talk about this sort of thing in front of a clapping audience. Right. But Davos is just is just one of many places where they do this. So Davos is never not really that important, which means the World Economic Forum really isn't that important. Again, it's not. Okay. Stop it. You're being a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) Well, Scott. Exactly. Yes. Before you go, can I have you please define ignominious? Ignominious. Uh, yes, you you can. Um, basically, uh, <laughs> uh, disgrace, uh, disgraced or shameful. I would right say. On. Dogbot thought that was well, awfully, you, you, uh, awfully like 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 right at the very last sentence of the book. You drop like a hundred dollar word on everybody. Will you struggle <laughs> to be truly free, or will you resign yourself to ignominious slavery? And I was like, of all the times to pull out the thousand dollar word, I have a pretty, I have a fairly robust vocabulary, and I had to pull out my granddad's old two inch thick Funkin' Wagnalls dictionary to make sure I understood exactly what that word meant. I'm like, I have a feeling I know what that word means, but I want to know 
a hundred percent. There you go. Well, so I learned you, you, uh, I, I learned a new word today. That's right. And and I had to squeeze a little bit of a, a rhyme in there. Like I said, I could have been a bit more floored with my prose in general, but uh, you know, I I tried to go a little bit more on the uh, you know, sort of straight information route, but um gave myself a little creative license there at the end. Oh yeah. What well, what's got, next, Scott? What's next? Can I do you mind? Sorry. Yeah. What's next, Scott? Like, <laughs> Jesus. Well, um, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I've, I've been trying to um, look at some things about perhaps digging deeper into the World Economic Forum. Um, I, I haven't really been able to write much because I just feel like the events are going to overtake us. Um, it's so... I you can't mean, write that I've fast. I've mostly just been... Yeah, <laughs> It's tough to write that down. I mean, I've been focusing uh, very heavily on, uh, you know, just trying to grow my own food. And, um, you know, I've also been keeping up with with events. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe something else will materialize and, um, you know, we'll be able to kind of, um, you know, be able to be maybe uh, able to document something or, or reveal something along those lines. But, um, yeah, it's been difficult, really, for me to sit down and, and, and try to plan out a book because it's just things are moving so fast. Um, the, the updates are coming I don't, I don't know. heavy, man. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's almost every day. It's something new. Keep you on your toes for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, absolutely. Um, and, and that's I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm like, how can I, uh, you know, sit down and, and, and generate a book here when, uh, you know, things are just going so fast. Well, you're definitely right, man. Things are going incredibly fast. The update went from COVID to Ukraine, and the entire world did the light switch and click, and they're all in that mode now. Uh, I don't know what's coming next, but I do know that they told us there would be a war between NATO and Russia. So I'm guessing they're going to do a war between NATO and Russia. I mean, like you said, we're just going to use their words and what they tell us. Um, I think that's, that's, that's what it's looking like. Unfortunately, yeah, China that's might step policy. into this war stuff too. Yeah, and China's you know, going to do the thing, and like the whole China and uh, Russia and the Belt Road Initiative, which was brokered by Israel in the first place, and all this. I mean, China is heavily invested in Iran, and so that just goes right through there. Like all this stuff, it's just like if you can't follow the script at this point, I don't know what to tell you people anymore. It's like it's as out in the open as it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is that why they call it the open society? Because it's just like out in the fucking open. Like they literally tell you what they're going to do, then they do it. I think that that's, that might well be a, a, a good meaning for it. <laughs> <laughs> like like you said, they need a war. A war is a nice cover for a lot of deaths that are probably going to happen because of myocarditis, pericarditis, and the other 42,000 other adverse effects from the vaccines. Um you know, but they did when they did this tabletop war between NATO and Russia, they estimated a billion people would die. Hmm. That's about, you know, a good start towards the Georgia Guidestones. Yep. Sounds about right. Yep. Oh, man. Um, how much longer do you have, Scott? Scott? Oh, sorry. Uh, 
there. <laughs> oh, I thought you left. Um, you how yeah. much? Yeah. How much time? How much time do we have left, sir? Uh, probably another maybe two, couple minutes, two three okay. minutes. Okay. Well, um, transgender industrial complex, the Open Society Playbook. These can be purchased at antelopehillpublishing.com. Um, do you have a website or any other sort of anything? Yeah, you said you're doing articles. Uh, um, yeah, I've done a few for uh, Occidental Observer, um, trying to kind of keep up with the whole transhumanist COVID thing. Um, but it's it's been it's been a little bit uh, since I've written anything. But if you're looking for more recent things um, from uh, the last probably year ish uh, since, kind of they they really sort of expand on. Um, the, this book uh, and kind of pick up where I left off and get into a bit more of the World Economic Forum and nice. uh, uh, the transhumanist stuff. So, um, if you're curious at all about that, I would go to Occidental Observer and just look for uh, you know Scott Howard, and um, you'll you'll see uh, a, a number of pieces I wrote along those lines. So, to basically give you extra context um, beyond this. Right on. Can we have you back on? Can we have you back on for some current events as they're happening? Yeah, by all means, I'd love to. All right, cool. Well, yeah, thank you, Scott. A, this is oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Do you mind? You, dog, but say what you got to say. This was illuminating. Thank you. Oh yes, well, well, thank you guys for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Right on, man. Um, we will definitely be in touch to have you on again. Uh, thanks again. I am going to go back through. I. I am going to admit I heavily read the first hundred pages and I realized what it was all about and how much I already knew. And then I just heavily skimmed the rest, but now I want to really, really read the rest. So I'm going to, I, I put my highlighter down around page 110. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, Scott, well, thanks for coming on, bud. We will talk to you soon. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Well, that was Scott Howard again. That was awesome. He's a great writer. I like his books a lot. Totally amazing. I, I, I didn't, ex- <laughs> I didn't expect him to expand on some of the stuff that he expanded on, uh, and be able to tie it into the current events that are going on. Oh yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm so glad he did. Right. I, I mean, right. It, it does all seamlessly go together, and it's it's uh it's great to hear some other people on the same wavelength. Right. It's, I mean, again, that's kind of why I stopped heavily reading the book and just went to skimming because like this stuff is stuff that we talk about all the time, you know, as conspiracy theorists, right? We talk about, we talk about the Davos meetings. We talk about um, the connections between the World Economic Forum and the Council on Foreign Relations and the Institute for uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs and all these other trilateral commissions and Bilderbergs and whatever. And, you know, and we've been saying this for a long, a long time that this is where, you know, the, the method to which the power gets wielded. Um, it's not the actual power. It is. Well, it is. I mean, if they're the ones that are putting the policies in place, you know, that's the ones in the power, but the people behind them are telling them what to do. And it's a very, very, very succinct playbook. I mean, it's scripted right here. All 280 some odd pages of it. <laughs> But um, I, I, I mean, it's it's hard to refute someone that spent so much time actually researching and logging logging in all these names and organizations and their interconnectivity. 
Right. Uh, at the end, at the at the end of the Open Society playbook, there's a very clear. There's not just a very clear bibliography, which is predominantly, as he said, uh, the Kevin McDonald method of using their own words. Uh huh. You know, uh, there's there's a lengthy list of the organizations and everybody involved. You know. Oh yeah, it's definitely what, clean. it's definitely um, a well sourced bibliography, a well cited, extremely well cited book. It's just a, a really good book overall. I mean, it's, it wasn't actually you said it was dense, but it was dense with information. It wasn't really um, like a hard read. It's a very easy read. Both his books are very easy to read. Right. Yeah. It, it's there. It's not a difficult read. It unless you're trying to read before you go to bed. And you don't want to get upset, so. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I, well, I mean, again, I, like I, my I, shock. For a little while, I was choosing it as my book that I would read for uh, forty-five minutes to an hour before I go to bed, and uh, that was something I decided I need to just read it earlier when I can have a little bit of opportunity to get over some of the uh, that rage fuel. Yeah, I didn't really get the rage feel from this as much as it was just like a whole lot of, oh, yeah, okay, that makes well, sense. Well, transgender industrial complex. Oh, the transgender industrial Well, again, I, yeah, but not really because, you know, like shock mechanism broke. I don't have I don't have that reaction anymore to this stuff, really. But anyways, um, yes, everybody should definitely go to antelopehillpublishing.com and check out Scott Howard's books. Go to Occidental Observer and check out his uh, his articles there. I'm going to do that because I haven't read them yet. We'll definitely have him back on. Again, he's he's a lot of fun. Hopefully next time he can do more than an hour. Yeah, I mean, uh, that by way, the time we have him on next, it's going to be... I mean, right. how, how much stuff is going to have transpired since... <laughs> right, so that it, way you don't have to cram all of your questions into one hour. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to get out of here. There is a creepypasta following this. Uh, check out um, our stuff on Telegram. Shirts. Oh, yes, the shirts. Go to distantinapparel.com. The shirts are back up. The new designs will be out there very, very shortly. If they're not up there already. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you all later. Time travel makes you gay. It's quite an interesting concept. Those little pass-it-on messages, I mean. Chain letters and people telling you, post this in five different comments or else you'll die tonight. Interesting indeed, but the idea lacks originality. It's the same story with each one. Pass it on or die. People pass it on and they go on living. A happy ending for everyone, right? But... What if there was a little twist? Let's just say there's a photo out there. It's not one of those, like, can't-be-found-anywhere-else types of pictures. It's actually really easy to find. Just use your chosen search engine and type in black-and-white photo of twins. You should be presented with a variety of different black-and-white photos of twins, but... Let me help you and tell you what you're to look for. You're looking for a picture of two twin girls wearing black dresses and white headbands. The twin on the left has a straight face, 
while the one on the right is smiling. Found it? Good. Now, as you'll see, there's nothing particularly unnerving, let's say, about the photo. It might be a little creepy, but other than that, it looks as normal as any other picture you've come across. Now, here's the twist. If you do pass it on, you die. Now, I know most of you, given this particular set of choices, would choose to leave the picture be, right? But allow me to elaborate upon what happens when you don't pass this picture on to someone else. If you leave it alone after seeing it, you'll have nightmares. I know, look, I know, bad dreams don't sound so bad when compared to the alternative, but trust me, it gets worse. It all begins with something simple. Before long, you'll see the twins standing side by side in the darkness. The girl on the left will leave, and you'll be left alone with her smiling twin. And just before you wake up, she'll whisper, Pass it on. And her smile will widen ever so slightly. I know, it doesn't sound like much of a nightmare. The first of many... It's fairly subtle, but with each successive nightmare, things begin to change. Gradually, the smiling girl gets closer and closer to you, while her smile widens to impossible lengths. You won't help but feel greatly disturbed and unsafe when it happens, but don't worry, that's normal. What's next, however, not so much. You'll try to wake yourself up. You'll try to move, but nothing will work. You'll find yourself trapped. She'll bring out various instruments. A knife, chains, gasoline, matches. Many devices to make you feel uneasy. Then you start to panic. You can't help but think of all the horrible things this twisted, sadistic child has in store for you. And does she ever have horrible things in store for you? Let's take a moment to think about the possibilities, shall we? What do you think she'll do to you? Wrap the chains around your head and pull until your skull splits? Gouge out your eyes? Cut out your tongue? Slice off your ears? Burn you alive, knowing that you can't move? That and more, my dear reader. You take the term unimaginable torture far too lightly until you fall asleep. If you think she'll lash you with chains, she'll do so only after she's laid them in fire and struck railroad spikes in your back. If you think she'll burn you, She'll tear open your torso and pour gasoline into the wound before lighting the match. Oh, you'll wake up screaming. Your body will remember the pain it's endured while you quiver in fear. Every time you wake up, you'll notice a subtle difference about your body. A bruise here, a scratch there, but as each nightmare gradually gets worse, so do the marks that will be left behind. Before long, the scratches will become fresh 
bloody scars. If you dreamt that you took a sledgehammer to the knee, you'll wake and rise only to find your legs buckling below you as pain surges through your kneecaps. All the while, her words linger in the back of your mind. You'll try to avoid sleep, but it's no use. The twins make their way into your reality. They're always there. At your home, your place of work, your school. You would fight back, but their visage appears in place of the faces of your loved ones. Eventually, you'll hide yourself away from everyone in an effort to avoid seeing these demonic children. It's all in vain, though. You'll see them in that millisecond of darkness when you blink. You'll see them in reflections, in your peripheral vision. You'll see them everywhere, and you can't escape. You can consider suicide. Hell, even attempt it. But they won't let you go so easily. That shotgun that you've got hidden in the closet? The revolver in the nightstand? Useless. How strange, hmm? They seem to be jammed, or missing a trigger. A cocktail of cold and flu and pain medications won't help either. It's so very odd, indeed, how you just can't seem to hold them down long enough for them to take effect. And soon enough, you won't be able to distinguish your dreams from your waking reality. You'll awake from one torturous experience only to be greeted by alternative horrors. Without realizing it, you've given the twins a new playmate. And do they ever like to play? Well, at least one does. While one plays with you, the other will stand there, watching and chanting, Pass it on, over and over again, all the while ignoring your screams for help. There's no happy ending to be had. Should you remain optimistic, I'm afraid you're just as naive as those who came before you. And there were many, oh, so many. And you won't be the last. I've made certain of that. Now, now you have a decision to make. Now that you've seen the picture and you've discovered the consequences, Whatever shall you do? Might you leave the picture be and pray this was just some twisted story? Or will you decide to pass it on? <laughs>